You guys, I don't know how to introduce this podcast. Usually I say, oh, you ever, you ever experienced this or that? And then we, and then we go in, but I don't, I don't know how to do it for this one. Uh, I had a great interview. It was fun. Want to hear it? are listening to ADHD Big Brother, the podcast for adults struggling with their ADHD and comorbid depression symptoms. I'm your host, Russ Jones, author of Descending to the Top, believer that you can actually have a smile in your life despite this diagnosis. So let's make some sense out of this struggle. Let's learn some stuff. Let's laugh at some stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, here's some stuff. Welcome to the podcast, you guys. How you doing? Oh my gosh. Uh, first of all, let's do uh, let's do the up toppies. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by the ADHD Big Brother program, guys. We the program's done; it's out there. If you're struggling with task paralysis, if you're struggling with getting motivation, if you're struggling with finishing the things you start, this program I built it for you. It is going to be your game changer. So head over to ADHDBigBrother.com. You can check it out there. Today is an interesting day. I like to keep these podcast episodes short and sweet. But I can't with this one because I had a really long conversation with Matt Lawton and I wanted to share a lot of it with you. I'd mentioned this in the previous podcast. Matt Lawton is a good friend of mine. He is a successful comedy writer in the motion picture television industry. He has written on shows such as Community. He wrote for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He wrote for Superstore, and now he writes on uh, The Great North, which is a hilarious animated series, and he'll tell you all about that. But we were going to talk about imposter syndrome, and we ended up kind of going off the rails and going into some other stuff. I don't even have a good opening for this because we all talked around everything, so we're just going to dive right in. I mentioned that he's a writer, and off we go. And without further ado, maybe we should do some of that music. Let's let's rebring the music in to bring it back down. Is it there? Here we go. And let's learn about some stuff. Let's laugh about some stuff. And ladies and gentlemen, here's Matt Lawton. You are a writer in television. Yes, sir. And so, what are you working on right now? Uh, I'm on the show, The Great North, at Fox. Uh, we just started season four. I've been there for the whole time. Um. Before that, I did a stint on Superstore. I worked on Brooklyn Nine-Nine for a while. I was on Community and then a hundred other things you've never heard of. So you're you're basically, you are a successful writer. You've you've succeeded at the job of writing in television. (laughs) The other thing I'll tell you is I'm seven years sober. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah, I knew that and I'm super stoked for you, dude. I'm seven years sober on Tuesday, which is the day we started playing D&D together. Wow. Wow. Wait a minute. We started in September. Yep. Side note, everybody. Not only is Matt sober <laughs> and not only is Matt a successful writer, but Matt and I also play Dungeons and Dragons. Where, with, where, I, am, where I am an imposter for sure. Where we all, <laughs> we all pretend to be people who are not. I've always felt like a fraud because I had a, I, I had a learning disability as a kid, which seems to be something called reading OCD, which is just what where is you, that? it's just where you read the same thing over and over again. You can't escape your own thoughts and your own thoughts take over and you can't get lost in a book. And uh, <clears throat> wow, it seems pretty, it, it seems like a processing thing, but also it's, it seems very akin to AD, 
HD, which is what you have, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I, oh, I'm going to tell a quick story. Uh, oh, about, God, here we go. About, about ADD. <laughs> I, What's the deal with these fucking ADHD? <laughs> What's the deal with these initials? Um, <laughs> I was in college. I'd almost flunked out of high school, which I'll get to in a little bit. But um, I always thought I had a learning disability. So I took this ADD test. Uh, at Portland State University, you went down and find out if you have ADD. And I was like, oh, this could be it. And then I, I was two points short. I was two points short of having ADD. Ah, oh, you so failed, failed the ADD I test. Failed the ADD test. That was a failure. I know. I was like, nope, you're just dumb. <laughs> Wait a minute. This is telling me that I'm just lazy. I'm legitimate. I'm like, I can take it again. I can do worse. <laughs> It seemed like I did have a learning disability, and instead of doing anything about it in high school, I did drugs, uh, which, you know, didn't help. Did you do drugs as an escape? As an escape and also as a desperate attempt to find some kind of identity. Yeah, okay. Because I didn't feel like I had an identity. We moved from outside of Washington, D.C., Rockville, Maryland, to Montana when I was 11, which was a real big that's which, a, was a, which was a real big culture shock and yeah it was just it was a real culture shock and i ended up falling in with like the punks you know i, I you know i heard minor threat and the sex pistols and all that kind of stuff and sort of like gravitated towards that kind of identity and playing music and then that whole sort of crowd you know moved into getting drunk and doing drugs and yeah and uh so long story short at 16 i got sent to rehab and then uh i got out my life had fallen apart all my friends were i I couldn't really hang out with any of my friends i felt guilty um i felt guilty for all of this happening i felt guilty with my parents and i wanted to like you know not do any of that stuff but when i got out i couldn't concentrate on school i was completely flunking out you know my girlfriend was dating someone else and um uh, so the only thing I looked forward to at that time was watching SCTV at 8.30 on Nick at Night. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> like John Candy and Eugene Levy. And yeah! And, and it really was a formative experience because it, it was like it, like comedy was like a complete savior. It's the only fucking thing I, I like. I was so... It was like one of the worst moments of my life. It was definitely the worst moment of my, um, you know, teenage years. And uh, but eventually I, I saved up some money and I found this alternative high school I wanted to go to in Seattle and my parents wouldn't let me go. So I got on a Greyhound bus at lunch and went to Seattle and stayed with some people. Wait, what, what, how old were you? 16. Oh, wow. So you I took I, off on your own at 16. I took off, I took off a couple of years early, like while my parents were at work which was very dramatic. Wow. And I ended up doing this alternative school and I never really addressed any of my learning disability stuff because the alternative school just kind of, you know, it was, you know, I got PE credit for playing chess (laughs) and pool and all the, all the, all the, all the classes were great uh, pass fail. And I remember my math teacher was stoned out of his mind when he signed my 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 pass slip really which i'd only done like half of and um so that you know that sort of perpetuated that sort of imposter syndrome like oh i i have to 
like I'm not smart. I have to lie. I have to like, I have to finagle. Oh have, yeah. You have to trick people into thinking that you are what you want. Yeah. Kind and of I got, I got into Portland state and I, and you know, I, I did, you know, which at that time anybody could get into Portland state. It was usually, uh, it was usually me and like, you know, 10 returning divorcees <laughs> in, in class. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> it, was a great, it was a great school and i had one teacher who made it all worthwhile this guy jack Featheringill, who was like you know he had studied with Sanford sanford meisner I, did he study with, i think he did he, i know he studied oh, right with, on he studied with uda hagen and you know he was a dancer in the music man movie and just like you know worked a million jobs on broadway and what was he te- he taught acting yeah, he taught acting he taught directing and oh like, right on my last year i got to direct a play under his guidance and it sort of made the whole just having him in my life made my the whole college experience worthwhile and but you know so, i never i never really um i never really tackled my reading issues because i thought it was stupid so i would get a really hard book to read and try to force myself to read it. <laughs> <laughs> Just to, just to like prove that I was smart, you know, like, and, um, yeah, we'll talk about like, so you, at some point you're, 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 uh, you're deciding I'm going to be a writer, right? Yeah. Which was, was stupid. Cause I, I had a hard time reading and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, but I could write, but I, there was something in me that believed in my potential more than believed in the imposter syndrome. Cause I could finish a script. And at that time, I could probably finish this, like a, a short half-hour script faster than I could read a book. For the first script I ever wrote was a was a Christmas special called "The Boy Who Loved Christmas Too Much," which was terrible <laughs> because I was because I was obsessed with Rankin and Bass Christmas specials. You know, wait, and those I, are the old old ones yeah, with the, the, the it's, they're yeah. not claymation, but they're yeah they're the the, weird. Well, they're, they're not claymation. They're like puppets. They're like yeah. these, they're these weird felt puppets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, those are classics. I, I was obsessed with those things. And there, and uh, so I wrote one and I worked at Will Vinton Studios at the time, which was an animation studio in Portland, Oregon, which is now Leica, which makes they make like the box trolls and okay, uh, stuff like that. And um, but I remember I gave it to Will's assistant and she read it and you know, she's nice about it, but it, was, it had no, it had no, it had a funny title. <laughs> I can just see her naughty. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for <laughs> yeah. trying. The title, gonna... the, my title was great. The Boy Who Loved Christmas Too Much. I still w- wish I could do something with that. I love The Boy Who Loved Christmas Too Much as a title, but yeah. And then what everybody in town is like, God, that, that kid would just chill out about Christmas. <laughs> well, people thought the title was funny, at least. And that <laughs> it, was, it was a funny idea. Uh, then I wrote another script called Little Man Football, which was sort of like, it was like, I would always describe it as taxi driver meets a bad news bears. Uh, it was like, it was kind of like if Travis Bickle uh, coached a, a football, a football team. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and that got a little attention, you know, I, I really didn't know structure well at all. I didn't know, you know, I was still like, well, you know, you can just like film like a, uh, you know, a stationary plant for two minutes. And that's cool because that's life. I had no concept of structure or how to break a story, but I, I, 
but I could write decent scenes and I could write like I could write scenes that seem like they should be in a movie. But I had I had I had uh, trouble hanging them all together. And then and then, you know, I got I got a job on this show called Gary and Mike in Portland and uh, the showrunners were these guys, Fax and Adam. And I and I uh, I came down to L.A. and I just harassed this guy Fax till he gave me a job and he did. And and he gave me uh, I was a script supervisor, which was fine. And then I was their personal assistant. And then I was their writer's assistant on the first year of the Jamie Kennedy experiment. But I was like. I was definitely funnier than I was good at my job. So they made me, so they made me a writer, <laughs> you know, cause I'd put a lot of time in with them and, uh, you know, I was never a great assistant, but I always cared. That was a, like, I was, I was like, Oh fuck, I forgot that. And I would like run. And they thought that was funny to see this giant lanky kid running. There's a kid that gives a damn. <laughs> hey, and, uh, and sometimes, sometimes that's all it takes because with a job, it's like you just gotta fucking care. You see, like, there's a difference between people that care and are struggling, and people that don't give a shit. I was and, always, in, I was always in the cared and struggling phase. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, so as. You know, I know we're walking all the way around in pop syndrome. This podcast is probably just going to be about learning about Matt Lawton, which I'm <laughs> happy to do. The uh, is one of the things that really tripped me up in life. Um, and, you know, back we knew each other 20 years ago. That's yeah. when we first met. And I remember in sketch comedy. So the, the and this is just insight into my brain uh, is. I could write sketches because I could see them. Mm -hmm. um, but I was always held back by the fact that uh, I, I never felt like, like I never felt like I was good enough. Like I always felt like the, the things that I'm doing aren't perfect. I'm going to get on stage. People are going to see me as uh, they're not going to laugh or. And so that was one of the things that I struggled with just throughout yeah. even during the time like there was a stint of about 10 years where i was doing commercials i was i was doing good but in acting you're you're rejected 90 percent of the time yeah. so it, it lends itself to feeling like you're getting lucky man you are lucky that you're getting lucky um and i know there's a component to that but it, it's, it was such a hard thing like did you go through a, a, any of that like in, in the Absolutely. writing world, I remember thinking, you know, when I was, I, you know, um, well, my daughter's, my first daughter was born in 2007, and my other daughter was born in 2010. I was like, how can I support these people? You know, my wife was uh, stayed home with the kids, and and like, you know, I'm still, I we still have the house we've been renting forever because we ended up buying a place in Canada. But uh, I, I remember sitting in this house and just thinking, how can I do this? How, people don't like me enough. I'm not funny enough. How how can I possibly support these people? And and that's kind of like when you know I got into trouble uh, drinking and such. But um, it's, uh, when the, I, I gotta say, when it when life weighs on you so yeah, hard, it's yeah. very hard. I was the same way for a while, where you 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 have to get a break from hating yourself. Or you have to take a well, break from feeling uh, hopeless, and so I would drink or I would uh, smoke pot. Back and this is back in my twenties. 
that was my that was my that was my default was thinking like that and 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 having that imbalance of like i'm great i'm great i'm terrible i'm awful yes. i'm great i'm terrible i'm great which is so you know i have a lot of opinions on this now cuz you know that is one of the most narcissistic ways you can break things down is to be either the great the greatest who deserves adulation and praise or the worst who needs to be like pitied and cared for it's like gross on both sides you know and i, I I've but done it's hard many, yeah I've, I've done that so many times and but i remember almost feeling like you know i got this i needed a job so bad and i and i applied for this sitcom called men at work and the producer called me on the first day of and we needed money so bad we'd just been piling up debt piling up debt living yeah. you know on you know just wanting to be keep up with the joneses and and yeah and uh, and family stuff and preschool and you know traveling back to see jess's family and we just got so in debt i needed this job so fucking bad and the Purdue and we were on our first day to kindergarten with our daughter uh nola for her first day of kindergarten which is supposed to be a a, a special day and I got a call on the way that said I wasn't getting this job. Oh. And, I, and I remember saying out loud, like, I'm a fucking failure. And like, just like sucking the energy out of the room and put and like putting all my eggs in this, you know, and and kind of fucking up this day for my wife. Uh, and uh, but it was, you know, it was hard. It, it was it was a hard position to be in. I didn't deal with it the best I could. But, uh, you know, that's life. And um, but then a day later, I got the job. And they, then, they they said no, yeah, and they said just yeah, kidding. I don't, I don't know what I don't know what happened. I don't know if the producer went to bat for me or whatever. And then I and I remember waking up in that writer's room. Hey, what are we having for lunch? And you know, all of a sudden, you're making all this money again, and uh, people are ordering from fucking uh katsuya or whatever and you're like i brought i brought a peanut butter and jelly sandwich i'm good yeah and like um and every time i woke and especially when i was drinking i'd always feel like i'd always look around the first day be like how the fuck did i get here how did i get here how did i get here never for once thinking oh maybe i had a good sample and and maybe yeah, or maybe you earned it <laughs> yeah right and, and, and maybe i'm funny you know, maybe, maybe. but i but don't know in my head it's like oh i've completely tricked these assholes yeah and, what is up with that well that stopped that stopped for me that that's like i for the first time that stopped when i was a young man of 45 <laughs> <laughs> isn't it beautiful how age brings insight and i think it's the gray in our beards matt it does. So it, what do you do? What is your process? Like, is uh, what do you credit to getting through past imposter syndrome? For me, it was sobriety. That was a big one. Okay. Check. So, Get sober. Know, I may or may not be part of a secret organization that helps me stay sober. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> It's called Dungeons and Dragons with your buddy yeah. Russ Jones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's called Dragons Anonymous. Dragons Anonymous. <laughs> and... and um, I also I go to therapy every week now. You know, I, oh. you know, I've got healthcare and I, I'm using it to the hilt with my mental health stuff. That's and, amazing. And, and I also, 
I also stopped worrying about, you know, it's a lifelong practice, but worrying about the results of everything. You know, everybody goes into like, oh, this is going to be the thing that changes my life. This is going to be the thing that changes my life. This is going to be the thing that changes my life. Yeah. And nothing's going to change your life. It might make it easier in one aspect or another. You might have a little respite from thinking about stuff because you you're making some good money and you're comfortable, you know, but nothing, there's no, there's no silver bullet for anything in life, you know? And I, and I think a lot of people grow up thinking there is, and then when that silver bullet's not there or they're not the best person in the room, or they're not like, uh, or they're not like the ad, you know, the genius who deserves all this adulation that they dreamed of being or the type of success. It's like, there's a real, gift and power and putting your head down and doing the work and leaving the results to whatever you think God is. Mm-hmm. And this is sounding very uh like sober talk. That's great. Do you have any pamphlets that you could hand out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it's true. It's absolutely no, true. I agree. I, absolutely. Just like um don't be a slave to your own expectations and be humble enough to actually experience things as they are and not as how you need them to be. And you can get up, you can get up every morning and write down the things you're grateful for and the things you have and, and like, which, which helps. And, you know, I, 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 you know, give yourself the same break you give other people, like think about how you talk to yourself and then think about how you talk to other people. Like I have a, I have a friend who quit drinking and he, at his worst, he was drinking he said 60 beers a day. What? 60 That's a beers. lot. Yes. 60 beers a day. He got huge. He never left his house. He, be, he, he became this like sedentary. I mean, it was a disaster and, yeah. uh, and he quit and uh, you know, he's doing a lot better now and he's hard on himself about other things. And it's like, you know, think about how you talk to your friends who've done stuff like that. If your friend told you that, said, hey, I just quit and I used to drink 60 beers a day, would you be like, that's no big deal. What are you doing today? You know, would you? Would you <laughs> right, right. Would you talk to you? Would you talk to your friend the way you talk to yourself? You know, uh, or like, hey, I, I just got a job. It's kind of in my field, but not quite doesn't seem that great doesn't seem that close to your field you know would you would you would you talk to would you talk to a friend the way you talk to yourself in your brain all day and i think the answer is probably no yeah that's great uh, I, I think it's like you know you're at least worth you're at least worthy of treating yourself as well as you treat your acquaintances <laughs> with a little bit of respect <laughs> just <laughs> And, and, and a little, and a little bit of, uh, a little bit of patience. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think about, well, what would I say to my son? Yeah. I wouldn't be like, come on, what's your problem? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're an idiot. (laughs) That doesn't sound right. Yeah. Think about the person you run into at work in the kitchen and, and that you don't know very well. Uh, at least treat yourself as well as that person. I think my takeaway, because uh, I'm learning and growing all the time, is that I I want to uh, get more in touch and be more cool with my intentions and let that be what 
maybe drives me as opposed to my, what I think I need to be or who I think I need to be. I'm just going to take the risk and be, yeah, and then see where that lands. And if it's jail, then I'll call you. (laughs) That'll that'll be what'll have to happen. I mean, the other thing is, you know, this is all sober talk too. But like, oh, did you want to get shit faced real quick and and tell us? (laughs) Yeah, this is you're like Matt. This is this is a part of the podcast where we do a shot. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're sober, but could you break rules just as? Yeah. Yeah, this is called uh, Russ's Jaeger Corner. (laughs) (laughs) Little buzzers go off like on a radio show, you know, Jaeger time. (laughs) Somebody shows up up at my door with a bottle of Jaegermeister. (laughs) How sober are you, Matt? (laughs) I mean, it's like, I can't tell you just how much it helps me just to show up for other people and just try and make that small extra effort once in a while. And I've not always been good at it, but you know, like I've been down here without my family and it's kind of hard to be down here with this family. This is the house that I was like an alcoholic in (laughs) and and my, and like, and I, and I see remnants of the kid's childhood and, and, you know, nothing ever, there was nothing ever crazy. It's like, I mainly just drank by myself and I wasn't as present as I should be was, was, was most of it, but Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you know, I can, I can get really in my head down here and be like, oh, this is where they were little and I, I fucking didn't do as good as I should have. And, and my therapist always says like, well, what, are the, what does that get you? And I'm like, well, okay, it, it gets me. I get to fucking just feel sorry for myself and lay around and not take foundational action. <laughs> I just, I just, it's like regret porn, you know, it's, it's, uh. I just yeah. get to veg out. I just I, I get to veg out on regret porn instead of like focus on like the amazing relationship I have with my kids, or like uh, or um, you know how I'm doing in my career, or you know, or my ability to connect with people. And it you know, and I came down here, and sometimes I'm like I'm scared to be down here by myself because when they when my family used to go by themselves to Canada, I would just fucking tie one on by myself. You know, yeah. I'd go to, I'd go to the store, get a big bottle of vodka, and just fucking go to town, you know? And, um, for sure. By the way, do you, you know that, uh, so I have an agreement with my brothers because of depression that, uh, you know, if, if we ever get, um, uh, you know, if I ever get too dark, yeah. that they're a phone call away. You, yeah. uh, that's, ex- I, if you are ever in that place, right. You know, that you could always oh, yeah. call me and we'll, well i have a i have a little i have a little uh button on my wall that says russ it's a big red button <laughs> <laughs> yeah you'll see what it does when i press it gross <laughs> or wait, <what? laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't want to know what happens when you press it <laughs> okay so before this has been a very very long podcast this is one for the books matt so before you go, you are on the Great North. That is a freaking hilarious show that you're on right now. Uh, my kids sing the theme song. Where do we watch it? Uh, on Hulu, Hulu in the states, and on Disney Plus in Canada. Okay, the Great North. It's freaking great. 
Are you allowed to call it cartoon or is that, that do you guys know we're an animated series? We dude. find that offensive. You know what? You know, Jeff Dunham is the. Uh, yeah. The yeah. Not once I had a pitch with him. This was like 15 years ago. Uh-huh. I had some pitch with him and his manager told us before the meeting, he was like, don't refer to them as puppets. <laughs> refer, to, refer to them as his characters. And, wow. I, and, and I feel like that's kind of the same. I don't think people like, like, how's your cartoon? Yeah. How are your, <laughs> how's your Crayola Crayon show going, Matt? <laughs> yeah. You guys get your stick figures drawn? <laughs> yeah. I'm going on a, a primetime cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> we have a primetime cartoony. It's a fun little drawing show. Um, yeah, it's a good I, show. I wrote the, I actually wrote the premiere, which is, uh, going to air on September 25th on Fox after the Simpsons oh, and right on. a very Al-Anon themed episode. Uh, I hope people like it, but it's probably the only Al-Anon themed primetime uh, half hour there's been, I would imagine. Yeah, man. You're just in the biz doing biz stuff in the entertainment biz. Uh, talking biz talk. Yeah. How's the, how's the biz <laughs> stuff? Um, awesome, man. Well, thank you for, thanks for being on the show, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I felt like we were, we were, there was one thing I wanted to say. No, we're good. All right. See you later. Click. <laughs>